0: Are you ready for the end of the world?
1: No, no, please, no. Not again.
0: (laughs) Not again. (laughs) This is Your Community Spirit, show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it.
1: Don't say it like a question mark. (laughs) just like, the changes needed in the world as we know it. As we know it. (laughs) Yes.
0: Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up. And be healthy, and therefore wealthy, to the peace and joy of Mother Earth.
1: Ooh, I want to be wealthy.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a good plan.
1: Forget the healthy part.
0: <laughs> well, I'd like to be healthy too.
1: You are listening to your community spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon.
0: And this is Tree Song.
1: And um I just realized that it's raining. Yeah. How did I realize that? I walked out and jumped on my bicycle and took off. <laughs> yeah. I was just like,
0: "It's the best kind of weather forecasting."
1: This 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 pledge that I'm going to ride my bicycle from now on while I'm in town. I'm rethinking it today. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I thought about it as I was riding my bike here that it's like an 8-minute bike ride. Mm-hmm. It takes longer than that to walk out of like a major store to your car.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: You know now mo- some a lot of people do that under an umbrella, but a lot of people just like run or walk it, yeah, so I'm doing that on my bicycle um
0: yeah, and getting that kind of
1: sounds good,
0: yeah, getting a better workout while you do it too,
1: so um, I picked up the newspaper and they have um this comic called this Modern World,
0: yeah, I really like this modern world,
1: and it's got like posters um you know the from like. The posters they used to do during World War II and One, yeah. where it was like, do things. And so, citizens, were in a semi-declared sort of kind of not-quite-war thing. Are you doing your part? And then there's a series of posters,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm going to try to see if it translates over the radio.
0: Yeah.
1: Hashtags are weapons of war. Get trending. And it's got a hashtag in front of things. <laughs> Viral videos for victory. Dump something unpleasant on your head Today. We're all in this together. Have you changed your avatar yet? And it shows a picture of a patriotic American with a flag. Yeah. You you never know who's listening. Please speak clearly so we can hear you. <laughs> and then, you know, Uncle Sam, with his thumb up, he's not pointing at you. He's got his thumb up in this one. I want you to like Endless War. <laughs> So, yeah. did that translate well over the radio? I think so because you can 't see, so. see it see so did I think you, you it visualize
0: it. I visualize it. I have a good imagination it 's funny because it 's true that 's a lot of how our political discourse happens these days
1: and okay. two tidbits from harper 's index amount the United States has committed to spending on an alternative internet network for dissidents in Cuba
0: mm-hmm.
1: four million three hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. That's from the United States Agency for International Development,
0: yeah, well it's a good thing. we have nothing better to spend that on than <laughs> <Just> <laughs> like,
1: Cuba, and I mean, the thing is is we can't just give it to them. we have to sneak it in, yeah, and give it to the dissidents um
0: yeah, whereas then it it falls on citizens like you and I to send an aid to the people of Cuba because the government isn't doing it. <laughs>
1: it's just like um,
0: imagine if the government spent that that's you know. That much money on aid to anyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, to me, i take it. Yeah. It's like, ratio of public relations specialists to journalists working in the United States. You want to guess?
0: Uh, there's more public relations <laughs> specialists. It's just like
1: 4.6 to 1, the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah. So more than four times as many public relations people as journalists.
0: Yeah. You never guess it by watching the news. You
1: never guess it, that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Making speaking, fun of enough stuff.
0: Yeah. Speaking of public relations, guess what? This fracking company wants to end breast cancer. Yes, yes. Wait, Wait what? What? Fracking I company? Said, yeah. Breast cancer? Was <laughs> oh, that cause or end breast cancer? <laughs> so as you may know... All I have
1: to do is quit fracking. That's, yeah. That's very it's easy. A
0: nice, simple one-step program. <laughs> well, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, as you probably know. Which means we're going to be seeing a lot of pink ribbons and graphic tees shouting, Save the Tatas! at us for the next three weeks or so. Luckily for the Tatas, there's a fracking company ready to join the fight. Yes! On October 2nd, Baker Hughes announced that they'd contribute $100,000 to the Susan G. Komen Foundation, the largest breast cancer charity in the nation. In the press release, the company stated that it wanted to help end breast cancer forever.
1: Now, uh, a question. Are they doing this out of guilt? Or out of a lawsuit or out of what was that? Public relations.
0: Yeah, public relations. Now
1: we are being journalists and reporting on what the public relations people came up with. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest part is the picture of the the wheel that drills in painted pink.
0: Yeah, because they've got a drill bits, you know, they're uh, doing their bit for ending breast cancer. They,
1: now they did not just one bit, a thousand bits.
0: Yeah, a thousand bits.
1: Yeah. You know, just thousand bits of uh pink.
0: Yeah. I remember just when I saw the image on this story, my mind just sort of started to melt down a little bit. Like, what's fracking? <laughs> just like is Fracking is really going to stop breast cancer? I don't think so.
1: Now, yeah. it may be an opportune moment to mention that these bits will actually end up 10,500 feet underground.
0: Yeah. So you won't so see them anywhere. So it's completely
1: anyway. and totally a PR stunt.
0: Yeah. They take one picture of them before they use them and...
1: So maybe they don't paint a thousand. Maybe they paint one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they wait until the press leaves. and then Especially
1: like, how clean it was. It was like very. It was looked brand new.
0: Oh yeah, it was. It was really pink. It was very.
1: <laughs> it was really. Then it, they used it. <laughs> well, did they actually use it?
0: Uh, I think so. I saw them lo- in the video. I saw them lowering it into the ground. So
1: okay, they didn't pull it back out and show it filthy no. <laughs> and dirty, all covered with oil. <laughs>
0: That's bad, PR.
1: <laughs> Just like- now, the Komen Foundation has come under criticism for other things. You know, basically they'll accept money from anybody. Yeah. That's that's, the criticism. That's
0: the criticism. There's this term, pinkwashing. Like, it's like greenwashing, but pink, it's like trying to make, companies trying to make themselves look better by giving a little donation to breast cancer. I mean,
1: $100,000 for a fracking company, I don't think that, is that very much money?
0: Yeah. I mean, for a non-profit, I'm sure it's a lot, but for a fracking company, that's, I mean, in theory, they should be paying that in fines. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, it's... Pinkwashing the fossil fuel industry. And I mean, who wouldn't want to end breast cancer forever? I mean, that's a noble goal they're talking about. But when the money's coming from a company whose products contribute to cancer, we can't help but wince.
1: I love this sentence. A spokesperson from Coman defended the foundation by saying that the partnership grew out of Baker Hughes. Personal connection to breast- It's not a quote. I'm quoting it. Yeah, you're quoting, yeah. (laughs) Personal connection to breast cancer. Well,
0: I mean, I honestly wondered- It could could
1: be like one of the owners of it had a family member who got breast cancer and decided he wanted to do that. Yeah. It's not saying what the personal, so I shouldn't make fun of that. But-
0: They probably are gonna get workers getting breast cancer because, uh, here's some information that is- One of the things used in fracking is benzene. It's a really nasty car. Just I
1: mean, that's proven. We don't know the the chemical mix of all the chemicals they're pumping in there because yeah. that's pri- proprietary. Yeah,
0: it's proprietary, so we don't know some of it, but we do know benzene.
1: Well, you can just measure that with a thing in the air. Yeah, I mean, that stuff goes. I mean, it's breathable really yeah. well, easily.
0: And one of the things that benzene causes is breast cancer. It's actually a strong cause of breast cancer in males. Uh, so it's not just Men affecting have females. Yeah, they
1: do.
0: Yeah, I
1: know. Yeah. So, So, yeah, it's because of benzene, oil and gas industry workers are at high risk of leukemia and what do you know it? Breast cancer. Yeah. So.
0: So I don't quite see how they can have these pink drill bits and and still be causing cancer. Step one in their ambitious plan to end breast cancer is to stop fracking.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's easier to just give the money and hire, you know, 4.6 PR people to one yeah. journalist.
0: It's like, you know, it's kind of like paying indulgences. It's like, oh, here you go. Here's some money. This takes care of all my sins. I'm fine.
1: Hey, can I do that? <laughs> Apparently, they think they can. I mean, I, I don't really have that many sins, so I could pay off my sins pretty cheaply. Probably. Probably less What's than 100000
0: What's going 000? rate? <laughs> well, ask, ask the Komen Foundation.
1: It's like, what? <laughs> they know about my sins? <laughs> East Coasters prepare for three decades of epic flooding. And more. A new report finds that thanks to sea level rise, tidal floods are ba- bathing. Now this is not the good bathing. I know the East Coast needs to clean up their act, but they're bathing East Coast cities more than ever. And within the lifetime of a 30 year mortgage, ever higher high tides will swamp coastal communities with more and more Frequency and severity according to projections based on analysis of 52 tide gauges between Maine and Texas. Texas is on the East Coast? <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basically the whole eastern, eastern seaboard. seaboard. Yeah. There you go. Susan Goldberg of The Guardian provides the deets. The report, quote, Encroaching tides, how sea level rise and tidal flooding threaten U.S. East and Gulf Coast communities yeah. over the next 30 years, end quote, from the Union of Concerned Scientists, found that most of the towns on the America's East Coast would see triple the number of flooding events by 2030. By 2045, these towns would see 10 times as many. You know, there's, there's a, a religious song. It's like the wise man built his house upon the s- the stone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the. I forget the words now. The stupid man, that's not the words, but the stupid man built his house upon the sand.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know. But you know what's the more valuable house nowadays? On the sand. On the sand, yeah. Right
0: it's on the beach.
1: Like, <laughs> it's just like right on the beach. Ocean view. Yep. So, I mean, I just spent time on an island and they're having issues of, um you know, some of the places eroding out. Um, they really had the issue when they got hit in 2007 with the hurricane. Yeah, I mean, four-fifths of the island got under three to four feet of water. So, <laughs> all right, back to this. Do we really want to go back to talking about people getting flooded?
0: <laughs> well, I guess if it helps them prepare.
1: Oh, yeah. Th- there's a reason to our madness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, now part of this report... Points out that the surge in tidal flooding is essentially guaranteed while heat trapping gases we've already set free hung out hang out in the atmosphere doing their warming thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we've basically put a blanket around the earth and you know that kind of is good if you're cold, but the earth needs to be steady.
0: Yeah.
1: Steady with who Mm -hmm.
0: Well that's part of why they're looking at that thirty year time frame is it's partially because, like they mentioned, it's you know, a lot of mortgages end up being that length. But it's also because even if we turn off all of our internal combustion now, we still have at least, you know, thirty years of
1: Well, they're saying thirty years, but they're they're saying triple by twenty thirteen. That's yeah. only sixteen years from now. So the reports uh,
0: called Twenty thirteen's <laughs> <laughs> in the past. <laughs>
1: 2030.
0: 2030.
1: Did yeah. I say 13? Yeah. Man. Um the report's call to action, fortify seaside communities against the coming onslaught of water and reduce carbon emissions to make sure low-lying areas aren't permanently submerged later on at the same time. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah, this heavy dose of realism is a bit of a downer for beach lovers and coastal dwellers. At least Climate Central made you a fun interactive map. To review future damage from sea level rise. Hmm. If you would like to see this map, send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Would you like to see if your vacation home will be underwater?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing to check out before you <laughs> buy your vacation home.
1: Or if you already have like half a dozen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know I've only got, I've only got half a dozen.
1: <laughs> now the west coast is actually prepping. Yeah. Prepping though is like a a a survivalist term on the yeah. internet.
0: Prepping preppers.
1: Yep, so preppers. Um they yeah. They're the only one who are not afraid of Ebola. Yeah. They already have the the hazmat the... suits and the masks. Yeah. You know, cuz of course Ebola is transmitted um through the air. <laughs> I'm having arguments with preppers about that. <laughs> you know, um uh, do they think that's 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 not going true. Going the
0: air? Yeah, it's not
1: true. No, not at all.
0: People I mean, are assuming it's going to jump, but they're assuming.
1: Well, the funny thing is that means if someone makes that assumption, they're yeah. saying that Ebola will evolve, <laughs> yeah. and that means they believe in evolution. Yeah. Oh, wow. They can convince a lot
0: of people of evolution <laughs> just that like,
1: way. Uh, just like, that's a good plan. Just, we have just... um.
0: We've demonstrated evolution in a way that people can understand in their everyday lives <laughs> just by fearing Ebola.
1: If you fear Ebola, you believe in evolution. Yeah. I have just made a meme.
0: <laughs> there you go. All right, well, getting back to some of this news here. California is number one in prepping for climate change. The hippy-tacular golden state.
1: <laughs>
0: I've never heard it called that before.
1: The hippy-tacular.
0: The hippy-tacular golden state. Leads the nation in prepping for climate change. A new 50-state tracking tool developed by Georgetown Climate Center charts state-by-state progress in climate adaptation plans. Ooh,
1: I'd like to see how we are doing, <laughs> or well, just the Midwest in general.
0: Yeah, we're not doing well. I, I looked at it. We're sort of there are like maybe a dozen or so that are at the top because they've got various measures in place, and the rest are just like flatlined. Like
1: they don't line? <laughs> yeah, they don't have plans. <laughs> the preppers are flatlined in the Midwest. Yeah.
0: Like, California has this progress bar. They have all these goals they've set, and they've meet, met like a third of them, and we have no progress bar because we haven't tried yet.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So we're doing great
1: in Illinois. I know on an individual basis people are prepping.
0: Yeah, individually there are a lot of people in Illinois.
1: But, of course, they keep it secret so you can't, the government can't track it.
0: Yeah. But at the state level, California's at the head of the pack, of course, not too surprising. It's trailed closely by, you guessed it, Massachusetts and New York. California has one of the largest lists in the nation, anyway, with 345 separate climate goals. See, we don't have any climate goals officially in the state of Illinois, and they've got 345 in California. I
1: mean, only 14 states, honestly, have goals at all. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we're not in good company. Yeah, I mean-
0: the good news and the bad news is we're in good company with that. Uh So, only 14 states have finalized these plans. California's successes so far have a lot to do with prioritizing the issues. The state, for example, has created a Planning for Sea Level Rise database, installed tools to identify and reduce climate-related health vulnerabilities, and even has a bill that will require lighter-colored pavements to reduce the effects of urban heat islands. That's pretty... I mean, there's a lot more to do since they've only met some of their goals, but that's a start.
1: So maybe Cali is going for the low-hanging fruit? But hey, at least it's picking the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's doing before they completely, you know, get hot and dry out. I mean, Yeah,
0: dry out in the sun.
1: Now I mean, it is they are being right now exposed to it more than any other state with their drought. Yeah. So maybe that is partially conducive to make it so that they push for it.
0: Yeah, because I, I feel mean,
1: like... I mean, they're in a drought for like two years now.
0: Yeah, they're in this ongoing drought, and it just keeps getting worse, and so...
1: And that hurts us. I mean, that's where we get our food.
0: Yeah, our food prices are going up, and I mean, I imagine each time they think about the drought, at some point they think, well, is this related to global warming? What are we going to do about it? So, I mean, this this measure, though, is just measuring adaptation. There's really not... uh I haven't found a similar measure yet of actual mitigation of your emissions. You know, I'd like to see which states are doing best at that.
1: Now, Miami Beach prepares for annual king tide flooding and a taste of future sea level rise. Construction crews are wading into chest high pools of muck. In a race against time to install pumps, Miami Beach officials hope will help. That's a good one. Hope will help. Yeah. <laughs> Control an annual super high tide threatening flood, South Florida's popular seaside city next week. Around October 9, a so-called king tide is expected to push almost a extra foot of water onto streets, going over seawalls and forcing residents to wade through flooded streets, an annual event causing widespread damage. Wow. I've been reading this blog online, and it's saying that Miami gets flooded. How many years in the future? <laughs> yeah. Sixteen or so. Yeah,
0: in the year twenty thirty.
1: And it's happening right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> huh.
1: So, it's been a nightmare, says Andreas Schneider, who has seen past high tides bring water up and even inside his group of neighborhood restaurants, causing tens of thousands of dollars in losses due to temporary shutdowns and cleanup. The event, caused by the alignment of the sun, moon, and earth, provides a taste of the potential impact of a longer-term two-foot sea rise predicted for South Florida by 2060, according to the United States Geological Survey. The low-lying greater Miami area, with a population of 5.7 million, is one of the world's most at-risk urban communities, scientists told a U.S. Senate subcommittee hearing in April. Did you know that? It's the most at-risk? Yeah. Yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah, because there are a lot of coastal areas at risk, but some of the lowest, there are some low-lying ones that are not urban, you know, they're agricultural, but this is a pretty,
1: you know, one of the biggest... Didn't it used to be like a swamp?
0: Yeah, they basically built a city on a swamp with porous limestone underneath it, so the water just bubbles up and...
1: Bubbles up? Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of awesome, except (laughs) if it's under your house. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's kind of a fun thing to see once, but when you're trying to keep out the ocean and it keeps happening... Not a good sign.
1: Okay, so what are they doing to combat such widespread flooding? The city has set aside three hundred to $400 million to install up to 50 pumps in the coming years in what some say is a vain attempt to protect an estimated $23 billion of real estate. Hmm. So they're not like building walls up. They're just going to let the water come in, and then they'll pump it out? Yeah. <laughs> or they're going to pump it, try to keep up with the water coming in? They're going to try to keep up with you the water. You can't keep up with Mother Nature. Mother Nature is awesome. It's like... Yeah. Okay, so here's the answer. Bigger seawalls are not an option as Miami Beach's flooding is caused largely by water rising underfoot through porous limestone bedrock, just like you said. Yeah. So officials concede pumping water back into this ocean is only a short-term solution. So it's just going to bubble back (laughs) up. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. This is not funny.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that's kind of, you know, we laugh because it's not funny. Because, I mean... It's also an, highlighting the effects of climate change because, you know, if the oceans weren't rising, there might actually be some sense of this plan of like, oh, it's just once a year it gets this flooded. We pump it all out as best as we can, and we live in a city where it's flooded once a year. You know, not too bad, right? But if the ocean keeps rising, then it's, it's once a year, twice a year, three times a year. Before you know it, it's all underwater. And there's a blog about that at goodbyemiami.com. There you go. So let's see. What about the the causes, like the coal and other fossil fuels being used? Oh,
1: can you prove that? <laughs> uh, don't don't pause so long. Yeah. you're just supposed to say
0: yes. Yes, I can. You can
1: prove
0: it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, what am I forgetting? Something? Of course, <laughs> we can prove it.
1: <laughs> I got you there. Yeah,
0: I'm like, thinking it's a trick question. <laughs> like, of course, you can prove fossil fuels are causing global warming. <laughs> But so, some people have made that connection, and that's what this story is about. South Pacific nations plan to block Australian coal port to protest climate change in action. Protesters from 12 South Pacific nations plan to block ships entering and leaving Australia's port of Newcastle, the world's largest coal export terminal, this month to highlight the effects of climate change it is having on their islands. Climate change will cause higher tides that will swamp lower-lying Pacific islands and present other challenges. Such as coral bleaching and an increase in storms and cyclones. Spokesman for the environmental group 350.org told Reuters that blockade, uh, the blockade by a flotilla of small houseboats on, or excuse me, small boats on October 17th would be peaceful and last a full day. A full day—that's not too long, but I guess one day at a time, right?
1: Well, I mean, this place, Newcastle, handles more than 4,000 ship movements annually. More than 90% loaded with coal. Yeah. So one day is a major dis- disruption. Yeah. one day is a and lot. And it'll cascade probably to take them like, you know, months to straighten out their movement.
0: Yeah, to catch up. Because those big boats, it's hard to move them, you know. They they don't turn very well and takes a lot of energy. So, yeah, on Monday, a, de- a sole demonstrator from the Frontline Action on Coal Group chained himself to a rail line leading to the port and disrupted shipments before being removed by police. Yeah, millions of tons of coal pass through the port each year. Uh, for, here's a quote: For over 20 years now, Pacific Islanders have been negotiating with little effect for countries like Australia to cut greenhouse gas emissions and to stop coal, oil, and gas exports.
1: How does a little island negotiate with a major, <laughs> you know, country like Australia?
0: Yeah, that's one of the challenges, especially the island nations face. Is, you know, this island nation of a s- relatively small number of people has to go to countries like Australia and the U.S. and Canada.
1: And, I mean, they have to deal with Australia, but China gets a quarter of Australia's coal. Yeah. So, I mean, China has to deal with it. Now, China is actually now creating climate change rules, not because of climate change, but because people can't breathe anymore. There's so much coal in the air, it's like the, what, trying to think when we had a lot of coal
0: yeah like a dawn of the industrial era here like in in europe and the u.s there was a lot of more coal burning going on in cities and so you had really sooty smoky cities they're experiencing some of that in china right now but they're working to control it but still burning a lot of coal yeah so how do these small island nations leverage these other countries and convince them to you know not sink their entire nation <laughs> imagine if If we in the U.S., like, there was someone doing something in their country and the whole U.S. was going to go under the water, (laughs) wouldn't that upset us? Well, only
1: Miami will, so...
0: Only Miami, so no big deal. Yeah,
1: just like, I mean...
0: I actually know some people in Miami, so I guess maybe they'll move to southern Illinois.
1: Maybe. (laughs) Today is Friday.
0: Yeah, has been all day.
1: It's (laughs) National Angel Food Cake Day and World Egg Day. Yes.
0: And Saturday is It's My Party Day, so I'll cry if I want to.
1: Take your teddy bear to work day.
0: That's a fun day. It's on a Saturday though. A lot of people don't work on Saturday. Really? Yeah, I mean I'll be <laughs> I'll be working in some form on Saturday.
1: There's a lot of people who work. Sunday, lunch lunchbox. <laughs> How did lunchbox come from cookbook?
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just
1: like <laughs>
0: thinking about lunch already.
1: Uh, cookbook launch day. Yeah. Old farmer's day and moment of frustration day. I just had my moment of frustration right now.
0: Oh, now this one, I didn't catch this one while I was cutting and pasting these. They've got the wrong day listed on Monday. It says Columbus Day, which is uh, a wrong wrong holiday. It's actually Indigenous Peoples Day.
1: Oh, yeah. It's also International Skeptics Day, so I don't think it's Columbus Day. Yeah. I'm part of the international community. (laughs) Tuesday, Be Bald and Free Day. It's also a National Dessert Day. Oh,
0: Exciting times! So, oh, Thursday is bosses' day. Now, do bosses really need a day? Is it every day bosses' day? I mean, what if we celebrated workers' day instead? (laughs) That's just that's just me. But bosses need their day too, I guess.
1: All right, happenings. J. Car letter writing now through October fourteenth. The Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, JCAR, is currently considering whether or not to approve the latest draft of fracking rules in Illinois. The next meeting of JCAR is on October 14th in Chicago. In order to have your comments read, you must mail them to Springfield, yes, good old-fashioned snail mail, to the Office of the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, 700 Stratton Office Building. Springfield, Illinois, 62706. If you would like that address, email us, info at org. And while I'm remembering, under happenings, today is the deadline for the state solar rebate. Ah, okay. So if there's anybody who wants to apply for this year, it's a lottery. Mm-hmm. The state of Illinois... <laughs> If you want to get solar, you uh, fill out a complete application. It's like ten pages, you know, uh, all these attachments, and you get entered into a state-run lottery.
0: (laughs) The solar lottery. Yep.
1: (laughs) To get up to ten thousand dollars or twenty-five percent of the cost of solar.
0: I wonder if they have like a solar-powered lottery machine where they pick the numbers out. Because I
1: mean, you know that lottery is illegal in the state right
0: (laughs) well the state it's the whole hypocritical thing the state gets to run a lottery
1: (laughs) so it's illegal to gamble unless you're the state
0: yeah (laughs) okay seems legit
1: yeah i totally agree with that why not
0: (laughs) yeah so some other happenings going on we have lgbtq history month it's also lgbtqia history month it's coming up this month in october The LGBTQ Resource Center, in partnership with Center for Inclusive Excellence and some other people around town, they're coordinating a full calendar of events on campus and community happenings for LGBTQ History Month. And it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer...
1: Why don't they just say everybody?
0: Yeah, everybody. Well, if they, some of them, they, it's sort of a little game to play to try to extend as many letters as possible to be sure that you include
1: everybody. <laughs> Why'd she just say, you're just like...
0: The goal is to include as many people as possible so that they're not excluded by society. So this, this is cel- celebrating, uh, LGBTQ history and culture. There's a lot going on, uh, for the full calendar of events. You can check out there the LGBTQ Resource Center website on the SIU website.
1: The Day of the Dead art exhibit, September 15th through November 15th. Monarch butterflies migrate each year between North America and their winter sanctuary in South Central Mexico. This, their October arrival in Mexico coincides with the beginning of the Corn Festival and the important annual celebration of Dia de los Muertes. So this um, art exhibit is in Morris Library. What do you call it? Is that called the Rotunda?
0: Yeah, the Rotunda.
1: It's a very interesting art exhibit. I stumbled upon it by mistake. I mm-hmm. kept planning to go and then ended up seeing it.
0: Yeah, I really liked it. It's definitely worth checking out. It's also Hispanic Heritage Month at SIU. It's just starting to wrap up. I just saw Dolores Huerta speak uh, earlier this week and that was exciting. But there are still a few events left.
1: So. I think she's like 84. Someone yeah, told me she is 84, and she was a spitfire, yeah. you know, taking on everybody. She's <laughs> like, you guys are all need to straighten your act out. Basically. Yeah, she,
0: she's still fiery at her age. And she was, uh you know, I remember being a kid and my mom participating in the boycott of the grapes that they were doing to try to get rights for workers. I
1: was talking to someone, and they said, Like 10 years later, their parents still didn't let them eat, and they realized when they looked it up that the boycott had been done for (laughs) for years later. They just kept the boycott going. Yeah, Carbondale Community Farmers Market, Saturdays 8 until noon at the Carbondale Community High School on the east side of town.
0: Yes. Also coming up on Saturday, Breaking the Surface, a free community paddling event. That is Saturday at 1 p.m. at Touch of Nature Environmental Center. They've got tours for beginners and a Wilderness Act hike afterwards and all sorts of good stuff going on.
1: The 50th anniversary of the Wilderness Act walk. Yeah. Too. Um, Touch of Nature, you can call them at 453-1121 or just show up at Touch of Nature Saturday afternoon. It'll be all afternoon, one until six o'clock, something like that. Yeah. And so.
0: Oh, yeah, so we've got Fall Fest coming up on Saturday at 3 p.m. at First Christian Church. It's our annual events that they have. They have food. You can browse a selection of craft items and collectibles. they have got a auction there, silent auction. That's going on at First Christian Church, 306 West Monroe Street, on Saturday at 3 p.m.
1: And a good old-fashioned chicken and dumplings dinner. Yeah. Yeah, so. Labyrinth Peace Garden Restoration Group. Meets on Wednesday, October fifteenth at five p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center. New members are welcome. If you like the labyrinth and want to learn more about the restoration project, upcoming events, and what you can do to help, this is a great opportunity to get involved. You know what what the the labyrinth is? Yeah, you know. Sp- I've only walked house. it like maybe four or five times.
0: Oh yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. It's it's a good meditation to walk it. There's it's a like lot
1: occupy difference. your body and let your mind free or something or the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. Um we usually say get out, get out in the woods.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this time we're going to say get out on the lake. Yeah. It's a giant paddling event. I mean, can you imagine, you know, hundreds and hundreds of paddlers? That lake was actually built Solely for an educational, you know, it was an act of Congress to make that lake be an educational center.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, I don't think they allow, um, motorized boats on that lake.
0: I think it's only hand, ma- man. Yeah. So, yeah. I
1: mean, it's peaceful no matter where you go. So, yeah. man, I really miss kayaking. I need to get a kayak again. Yeah. I r- ran over my kayak a few years ago with my tractor.
0: Yeah.
1: It was. A big mistake.
0: It's a very southern Illinois statement. <laughs> Just I like ran over it. my kayak with my tractor.
1: Yeah. I ran over with the wheel and then the bush hog. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs>
0: well, there you go. <laughs> well, you can get out and do some, some <laughs> kayaking, canoeing out there on the lake. That's Saturday at Touch of Nature. All right. Well, we hope you have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week. It's a little rainy out there, but it's still pretty good. It's not winter yet. So enjoy it while it lasts and we'll see you here next week. On the radio.